Hey, what's up? This is your girl, Diamond Styles, and I am the master chef, cooking you up something succulent and divine. It's your boys out here, and we are serving hot talk and cool iced tea. And I'm Mia Mix, here to set the tone and make sure the mood is right. So come on in and get comfortable. Pull up a chair, have a seat. You can even take your shoes off. Wait, not if your feet is down. <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome to Marsha's Plate. The time has come for you to be the change you want them to be, yeah. No more running around filled with all hypocrisy, yeah. It starts from the inside, it spreads wide, and everything will be alright. Join the conversation. Hashtag Marsha's Plate. Oh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We want to hear what you guys have to say. You can also help us build community by becoming a patron on patreon.com slash Marsha's Plate. By contributing to this podcast, you help us continue our powerful work to change culture one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is your girl, Diamond, and I have some special guests in the building to talk about, you know, the power of being a fat black film, and we're just going to have some fucking fat black film supremacy on this fucking episode, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, let me introduce you. I'm going to let y'all introduce yourself. So, Devon, tell me, tell tell the people. Yeah. You know, who you are, what you do, all that kind of stuff. Um, my name is Devon. What do I do? I make every room I enter brighter. As it should be. I don't know. Like, I'm everything. I don't know how else to describe myself. But um, I'm chocolate. For those of you who've never met me before. Um, I'm special dark. Uh, Hershey special dark. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. Or because I'm dark chocolate, my pronouns are her, she. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so my pronouns, um, uh, are also PayPal and Cash App. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I learned that from Didi Waters. Right. She, she taught me. So, yes. Shout out to Didi Waters. Yeah, shout out to Didi. So, yeah, that's just me in a nutshell. I'm goofy, as you can tell. And, um, I'm new to Houston. I'm a St. Louis girl through and through. Come on. And, um, Happy to be 314. here. 314. Yes. How long have you been here? I've been here since March. Oh, mm-hmm. you're new. March 1. Yes, I'm new, new. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm new. And, um, yeah, Houston is, is a big, big place. And it is. I'm enjoying it, though. I'm born in Indianapolis, but grew up in St. Louis and having a good time right here in the South. So I met you. I met you. Um, so how how I met you was I was at the Ag- Gender Infinity Conference and we were you know reading the breaks off of white people and you know anytime as we do, you, as we do. <laughs> and, and you know anytime you get done with a conference or some kind of little thing the white people come up to you and say oh my god uh, you're amazing and you know privilege this privilege that and ally this and ally that and she was so nice she was she was being so nice yeah, and she, she was, was like awesome. have you met 
Devon. And I was like, no. And she was like, oh my God, she just moved here. I have to introduce y'all. She was super, super sweet. She had nothing but amazing things to say about you. And she was like, I'm going to connect y'all. So on Facebook, she put us in a group together. And I was like, hey, I like to connect with cis women, especially, you know, black ones that's doing work. That's my shit. And so we decided to go to breakfast and had just amazing breakfast together. It was fun. Just a great conversation. She just a great spirit. And so thank you know shout out to Jamie for connecting us mm-hmm. and you know I'm, I was talking to one of my sorority sisters a while back and I was like some of the best relationships like the one I have with her just come out of like ooh I'm just gonna try to meet this new person I hope they're not uh-huh. scary hope they don't murder me <laughs> um, in my own car you know so um, I was like oh my gosh I want to take a chance and meet somebody new and it's going to be fun and I just went into it really excited so thank you for taking a chance on me Aww, because I'm just you. loving this budding friendship mm-hmm. so yes, yes I'm absolutely. here for it. so and my next guest I'm Marnina Miller hey. I am a HIV activist uh, most of my work revolves around the intersections of youth living with HIV mm-hmm. and women living with HIV um, I've been living with HIV for the last seven years, and so that's how I come into this work. And um, I'm originally from Michigan, so I'm a northern girl. Yes! What part? Ben Harbor, Michigan. It's Ow. like probably like three hours from Detroit, because mm-hmm. everybody assume you're from Detroit. You're from Detroit, from Detroit, if you're black. Right, right, right. <laughs> you're, black. <laughs> you're from Detroit. Right. No, 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 no. <laughs> Actually, the town I'm from is 90% black. Though. As it should be. Yeah, so it is like a mini Detroit. It's like mm. 10,000 people. It's real, real small. Right. But, yeah, so that's what brings me down here. Well, actually, Texas Southern brought me down here. So I came down here to go to Texas oh. Southern. Nice. Yeah. HBCU. Yes. yes. And uh. I just stayed because I love it. I love Houston. I, I was like that, too. I came here in 07 and um, was in a relationship. And then when it ended, I had an opportunity to move somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I love Houston. Houston is big. Mm-hmm. It's the, the the black community um, was huge. And, you know, it just was a space that I really felt like, oh, I could become a grown woman in this city. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. I remember um, meeting you. Um, I was, I don't know who, I think it was Mahogany Project through a panel. Yes. Yes, during um, Trans um, Visibility Week, um, the Mahogany Project invited me to be on a panel about, um, you know, it was kind of like the trans violence in in Houston, really just in, in the United States. And um, I was on the panel and you were in the audience and we had a good conversation at the end and I was like I was and you when you were telling me your story I was like girl you need to be on the show (laughs) (laughs) and I was like yeah let me um figure out and plan how to get you on the show and here we are yes I was gravitated towards your light Mm. it was so many folks up there but your light was just so bright during that panel I was just so interested in your historical knowledge and everything that you brought to the discussion and I was like I have to go to the How much I love her right now. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. So, why I brought y'all together is because, you know, in, in with with this body positivity movement um, coming kind of to the forefront now that we have a person like Lizzo. You know, it's always it's been this um, slow kind of grind up to where we're getting more positive imagery especially with the internet and social media and stuff like that where people really can build community with each other a lot of times millennials and um the in in the social media kind of get a bad rap 
but one of the positive things is that we get to see images that we that we curate curate ourselves right. um, and, and, and praise ourselves and, and get and get our life um, from the social media spaces and so it's kind of this slow grind up in regards to um, this body positivity movement um, Lizzo currently being like you know like the face of that kind of um, there's been tons of people in the past, of course, but right now in this moment, Lizzo is the one that's kind of doing this. And then, especially in light of this backlash that she um, that she had when she was at the basketball game. And so I kind of wanted to bring y'all in to talk about, you know, your experiences with like fat phobia and body positivity and tell me, um, you know, what's your initial feelings about the state of being a black girl in a in a um in a black body and being you know fat i think i come to this intersection of um black and fat and queer and femme as a child Mm -hmm. so i grew up as a fat kid and as a dark-skinned fat kid i grew up um not loving myself and not loving my body i grew up as a church girl and a lot of that messaging was around put a girdle on because you yeah. don't want your body to shake. Jiggling. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And although my mother is amazing, like she's an amazing black woman and she's an educator herself, she had internal fat phobia. Right. That was passed down to her. Mm-hmm. And so as that fat black girl, I grew up thinking that my body was bad internally. Mm. And so that internal stigma matched the external stigma as I started to age and as I started to go through puberty and get even bigger. And as I matriculated through now middle school and high school, I'm now hearing messaging and not seeing myself represented in media. Right. So now it's even worse. So now the messaging to me is, well, if someone likes you and someone wants you, just sleep with them because you probably won't get better because, you you know, you're the fat black Mm. girl. Just take whatever you can get. Right. And so when someone desirable did approach me about having sex and they wanted to date me, I w- didn't have to have a condom negotiation about it. Mm, hey, right. let's go. Let's let's do it. Right. And so uh, he was what America society sees as desirable, light skin, long mm-hmm. curly hair, bright eyes. And for me, that's how I ended up on a self-love journey, because after my diagnosis, I was so severely depressed. Mm-hmm. And once I got through that depression and was able to come to terms with my HIV diagnosis, then I started seeking mental health services. Mm -hmm. And through those mental health services, I began on a self-love journey. Mm -hmm. And that self-love journey brought me to, well, I'm experiencing fat phobia, internalized fat phobia. And my body is inherently good. Mm -hmm. Inherently? Yeah. And I should love myself regardless of how other folks see me. And so that's how I kind of got to loving myself and just saying that my body is inherently good no matter what anyone else says about it. Mm. And so that's a little bit of my journey with body positivity. Okay. I first felt the body positivity tug or, and it wasn't called that at the time, but when Monique came out with the book Skinny Bitches Are Evil, mm. um, I had to be middle school, maybe high school aged. And I, like you, grew up fat. I'm chocolate. I've always been round. I've always had a fat face and dimples. Um, and so because I was a fat girl, 
growing up um and because people have literally no imagination everyone <laughs> either said you remind me of monique or you remind me of oprah <laughs> so i right. was oprah and monique my entire fucking life which is fine. I mean, they're both wonderful women and um, they both have had uh, battles, is how I would describe it, with um, their bodies. Um, and I too have had these battles. I have had moments where I'm like, okay, I'm about to lose this weight and I tear my body down. I say, you know, we got to get this weight off, bitch, because you are not looking the way you need to. We got to get this body right. Because, but the thing is about that sentence, we have to get this body right. That means that right now you think it's wrong. Right. And so, what I had to do was, I had to learn how to love my body no matter what size my body was, because you can come back to that size again. And that was the problem that I kept having. I would be mean to her. I would say, you're 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 not the person that you're supposed to be. You're not beautiful yet. Um, and then I would lose weight, but I wouldn't keep it off. And so then I'd be back to being that girl that I just tore down for the last six months. So um, Feeling like a failure. Yeah, feeling like a failure. And I don't know, you know, like I said, the first the first bug was from Monique with Skinny Bitches Are Evil. And, of course, I grew up seeing Oprah. Um, but another time, like, I, I think of these, like, I don't know, touchstones, right? So another time where I felt like, oh, my gosh, I can be big and beautiful at the same time was after Hairspray came out, the the musical movie with Nikki Blonsky and Queen Latifah. Mm-hmm. And Queen Latifah has a song in the musical, and it's called Big, Blonde, and Beautiful. Um, and she talks about being black and about being big and also about being blonde because she has a blonde wig. Um, but one of the things she talks about is like, um, you know, how people, say like fat is out and thin is in and she says you can't prove that by me and so that's something that really resonated with me that like I can be big and beautiful and from that moment on I made a decision to divorce health from beauty Mm. those two things do not go together they're not one and the same um they're not interchangeable um you can be absolutely dog-faced ugly Period. and be thin facts i know a few <laughs> of them okay you can look terrible and be thin and, and internally you can be and you can be internally terrible. ugly and mm-hmm. be and not just on no mental in your in your mind right. we talk about internal body physical yes. you could be horribly yes there yeah. are people living and, and, then the, and then the opposite is true, right? There are people who are living with cancer who are gorgeous, mm-hmm. right? They're not healthy, air quotes, by the strictest definition of the word. Right. People with lupus or leukemia can be fine as fuck. And I know some of them. Mm-hmm. Some of my closest friends have lupus. They're sick, but they're fine as hell. Right. So the idea that obesity or being fat should be different than any other type of you know air quotes non-healthiness mm-hmm. um and then therefore you're ugly it just doesn't make sense like it just doesn't break down to make any sense so i started thinking about it logically because i'm a lawyer so my brain just goes mm-hmm. like in the most logical way to think through things and i'm like well so i i'm not ugly is what you're saying to me brain well, we've worked this out and we figured right. out we're not ugly um and on the sex tip i it also is important to me to talk about my experiences with that because I used to attempt to 
prove my worth by having sex with people mm-hmm. because everybody yeah. said you can't pull him mm-hmm. i said oh oh bet baby bet i can't pull i don't care who he is i'll pull him it's 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 just a matter of time it's a matter of figuring out what he likes right. and i can do it i don't care what it is i'll figure it out and so i used to work at it i used to i remember writing down i was a freshman in high school and i was air quotes fat i was like a size 14 15, mm-hmm. 16 and basically average an average size <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> and this this boy was so mean to me in school and i was like by the end of the school year i'm gonna have sex with him and I set out that goal because the only reason why I thought I couldn't have sex with him is because everybody said I was fat and ugly. Mm. And after I had sex with him, I remember him saying, and this is me as a 14-year-old girl doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember thinking to myself, proved you wrong. And it's like, but what did I get out of it? Not good sex because we're kids. That's why. So you know it wasn't going to be good. <laughs> So, so in the end, you know, I I spent a lot of time trying to prove myself to other people until I learned who I really was and loved myself. I was just in a constant cycle of hating myself, then working hard to love myself. Then that entailed losing weight, which then when it didn't work, made me hate myself. And it was just a Mm -hmm. constant cycle. But I gave that up. Like I said, once I divorced beauty from hell. You're listening to Houston's own MP Trans 101. Now listen, I know that what is basic Trans 101 for me could just be the beginning for you. So this is for your basic ass. basic for me in this life could be just the beginning for you. Let's talk about the politics around desirability and beauty. The ideologies of beauty and desirability crosses color lines, it crosses gender lines, it crosses class lines, it crosses poverty lines, it crosses all the lines that we have in the sand. It affects every single one of our lives. The criteria of beauty and desirability is very mutable. For a trans person, beauty and desirability rules and criteria would be based in cis heteronormativity. When it comes to um, non-white people, it could be rooted in racism. When it comes to women, their their beauty standards and criteria could be rooted in patriarchy. How men look at me, what do men find desirable, um, all of those things. It doesn't matter who you are. The criteria of beauty is going to be a little bit different, but, you know, you're trying to get access to something. Society tells us that by not having these certain levels of beauty and desirability, we're not equal to other people at all. And if we had it, we had beauty and desirability, it could change our lives. It gives us dreams of a better existence. And this is not an illusion. There are privileges in being in the upper echelon of beauty and desirability. Most people can remember a time when they looked in the mirror and said, why am I something that I am not? 
Why am I fat? Why am I so skinny? Why don't I have a big booty? Why don't I have big breasts? Why don't I have full lips? Why am I um, so dark? Why am I not white looking enough? Why am I so Asian looking? Why am I so Latinx looking? Why am I so, why do I have all these African features? Why do I have these things that I am that I just do not want? Because other people don't want them. And really the real question is, why am I not deserving of love how I am? Why can I not be loved? Because what we are telling ourselves is that because we are all these things, we don't deserve love. We're not desirable. And we are telling ourselves this, this internal dialogue is a reflection of what society is telling us. Society tells us that we don't deserve love if we are these A, B, C things. Why this is so important to us and our self-esteem and our self-image is because we know from a very young age that beauty and desirability is a social currency. This social currency is intimately intertwined with our social mobility particularly when we talk about people who are on the bottom half of the social hierarchy. So being that it is a social currency that gives us access to things, that makes it a tool of capitalism. Love and desirability and beauty is a tool of capitalism. And any tool of capitalism is a tool to get power. Until we get to a point where we can talk about love and loving ourselves and loving our bodies and loving other people's bodies outside of how much they are valued sexually, how much motherfuckers want to fuck us. When we get to that point, then we can talk about equality. So when you are critiquing a fat body, a trans body, a black body, a dark body, a woman's body. And you're disguising it as some innocent opinion, innocent disagreement about fashion choices, innocent protection of sacred public spaces where kids are at. And you are expressing your discomfort in seeing that body. You are weaponizing your discomfort in the same way that barbecue Becky weaponize her discomfort and use the arm of the state, the police to say, I'm uncomfortable with these black people being here. So I am going to weaponize my discomfort and use a tool to get these motherfuckers out of here. You are weaponizing your discomfort and you have become an agent of capitalism, policing people's bodies and respectability politics. And I think we have to do the work to divest from that social currency around desirability and beauty. And that's trans and everybody else 101. <laughs> oh my God, I want to thank all of our 
new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because I put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch I am community is fuck <laughs> so thank you I really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. It's two things that that made me, made me think about. One of the things is... When you look at, in my research and in thinking about doing this subject, when you look at cause of death, Mm -hmm. anorexia can be listed as cause of death. Obesity cannot. Wow. So you can be too skinny and it caused you, because anorexia literally caused death. But obesity really doesn't. It just leads to certain things. Like it's, you know, certain if you have other factors it's not just the fatness it's other factors a conglomerate of things that leads to other health issues and you and you talking about um sex being um this connection to your worth connection things conversations about consent conversation Mm -hmm. things when it comes to your health concerns not um making you know, good choices based on your self-esteem, mm-hmm. wanting to fuck people just to prove, baby, that if that ain't a transgender narrative <laughs> for, <laughs> for a trans woman, that to me, because yeah. that is literally the same exact circumstances different, but my mindset around, you know, you can't have him because you're not a woman. You can't have him because, you know, he don't get down like that. Okay, let me show you. I can turn any nigga out that I want to turn out. <laughs> because you think, because of your rules on all this shit going on, mm-hmm. on and your, you know, your bias against me, you think that I don't have appeal when I fucking do, and I'm going to show you. I remember being exactly like that, fucking with niggas that I really didn't like. That's it. For real, for real. But just to prove a point. And I remember being younger and... um making a choice to not use a condom because you know i really can't even tell you why it was just it it, a a part of it was also to be good sexually it was it was i'm gonna wear you out i'm gonna be the best i'm gonna because you crossing this line i want you to feel everything and and blah 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 blah. and i got something that, that goes along with the something to prove too even though i have been because i am um on the male side of queerness i was bombarded with educational hiv bombarded with condom education because y'all gonna get aids so mm. so you need to go to this class you need to you you need to you need to have condoms in all the clubs and we right. need to do outreach and if the girls is on the host let's bring them condoms not to say that that doesn't that's not okay but i was bombarded with education i knew but I still made decisions that were unhealthy to me because I felt like 
<sighs> you know, I want to prove something and I'm falling in love and I want to prove that I love you. And if you have any kind of conversation about, um, you know, well, if we together, why do we have to use a condom? And why, and like leading down that kind of conversation when I was younger. Um, so that's what it reminds me of making that connection of how maybe the circumstances is different, but the feeling of wanting to prove something because of the stigma definitely um, was an issue for me. So I do want to go back into like history. So one of the first images that when we think about um, um, racism and fat phobia, one of the first images that I remember that was really specific about size and black women was the Venus hot and tide. Yeah. You know, Sarah Bartman and, um, she was put on display. This is a common narrative. So if you haven't Googled or heard of this, then where where have you been? But um, just to explain it a little bit. Um, she was put on display like a circus freak because of her size. And white people, um, you know, put her on display for people to come see. Because in this era of time, um, a lot of white people hadn't seen African women. They hadn't seen them. So this is when they were the communities were coming together. So they'd be like, oh, look, um, look at this big woman. Look at her big butt. Look at her big everything. Look at her big vagina and was putting her on display for people to pay to see. And they were underpaying her, of course. And um, it as was white this folks do. as white folks do to this day, to this day. <laughs> and particularly in France, because France was like a, a, um, a country that said, in our country, you can be free, but in our colonies, <laughs> in our colonies, ah, that black shit, you're going to be a slave because <laughs> we making money off of you. So they had this freedom in the country a little bit. Let us display this and just be assholes. But it also every country in Europe who were trying to convince us that slavery was right, they had this bullshit race science that was happening and the race science was rooted in explaining why our bodies was fat it was rooted in explaining it was all this fake stuff all this fake science that they used to create race to create anything that demonized us so we can be the people that they can you know put into slavery and exploit but it also that's that's the fake race science but it also was a a religious element as well, a Protestant, like a Protestantism, where gluttony and obesity was looked at as a sin. So if you're fat, that's because you eat too much. And you need to eat less for God because that that means being a fasting and doing all these things mean that you're a good person. So if you are looking fat like those heathens down in Africa, if you're looking big and voluptuous that's because they're not civilized we're civilized so we you need to eat less so that you can be smaller or you're going to be like the savages that are coming you know over and into our communities do you see what i'm saying so it's like a, a it's like a race science and then a religious thing so fast forward to when we were coming to this country it combined the two the stereotypes about fatness and body and the religious that is sin. So these are savages. They're naturally sinful. It's inherent that they are sinful, that they're obese and they don't take care of their bodies because they're lazy. So think about all of these 
these stereotypes and narrative that we hear today, right? You right. oh, you just can't lose weight because you really don't put the work in. <laughs> oh, you can't you can't lose weight because you don't know how portion control. You lazy. Um, you really don't have the willpower. You don't really want to work. that's what they do and so then you add the sinfulness all these things when we go into our structures of our churches you jiggling and wiggling that just is not chase that's not okay that's not cool you're a distraction to the men all this kind of stuff so all of these things do this weaving effect in america and at 12 years old who who is a distraction (laughs) i can be a distraction (laughs) to a grown man that's not a fucking pervert (laughs) r kelly so in the 20s so prior to the 20s in america white women were really, really thin. At really Americans, period. Were really, really thin. So there was this campaign to get them to thicken up so they can have more babies. Mm-hmm. It was not for us. <laughs> it was for them. So, but then something, that was prior to the 20s, but then something happened in the 20s. Back in, there was the uh, actual scale that you stand on and do your weight. A scale was usually like a circus thing. You didn't, everybody didn't have scales in their home. It was a scale to see who's the biggest. And it was a circus thing that they would have at a circus. You know how like when they do the hammer thing and just different things to be, you know, kind of entertaining. They weren't in the home. Mm -hmm. The people who made that scale created a smaller version to go into the house. And they marketed in a way to where a mother would be standing on the scale, looking at her wake and they're and they're saying it. And at this point, they're saying you need to uh, monitor your weight. So buy this scale so you can know when you're getting too big. So you can know when is what is just right. What is too skinny? What is just right? So they have a picture of her looking down at the weight, And then they have a picture of her daughter looking down at the weight. So this was a marketing tool for people to use to be really monitoring their weight. And so in the 20s, it changed to where white women were really focusing on dieting all the way up until like maybe like Marilyn Monroe to the 50s and the 60s. They were like focusing on dieting and focusing on keeping our weight down, blah, 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 blah. But it wasn't until the 80s that they realized, wait, what is going on with black people? Why do they have such health disparities? Why is it they're so different from because all of those studies prior to 1980s didn't the science, the real science studies did not include black women people at all. (laughs) None of the science included us in the studies. And so when they started looking at it in the 80s, they were like, oh my God, there's so many health disparities. What is going on? And so then they started including black women in the study, but they didn't change the structure and the narrative of those racist things that happened. So it leads into the 90s where we're going through all this fads and we are going through the fads now with the white women because before they didn't care about us. So they weren't marketing to us. Mm. And then in the 90s, we go through everybody is going through this fad to be skinny, um, to be slimmer, to, to just be this fit. Now, of course, because we black, we know that the body, the body we deem as desirable is a little bit thicker than white women. 
Mm-hmm. But you can even see like in the nineties. What was it? Friday. Mm-hmm. And, um, Mrs. Uh, what's the woman who was across Parker. the street? Mrs. Parker. Her body compared to what the ideal black woman's body today is really mm-hmm. different because at the time it's a product of the environment. Of right. The it, she was thinner. Right. right. Like she had a little bit of. Like, it's called, we call we call it slim thick. Yeah. Now. She was yeah. slim thick. She right. wasn't looking like she wasn't looking like diamond. Mm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't looking like me. Okay, okay. She wasn't looking like Lizzo or Trina. No. Or anybody. None of what we see now. You know what I'm Party. saying? She was looking like little. Right. You know? So, I mean. Yeah. And so when we get into the 2000s and this era, when we, when we do, when we kind of add in the effects of the video vixen and then the really objectification of bodies. And then it started to be, and it didn't. Now we're going into, well, we're deep into it. The exaggeration of those features. So having a small, 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 small waist and big old ass and big old thighs and da 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 da. Even the white girls is trying to get that shit. So I kind of wanted to kind of break down that history because a lot of people don't understand that fat phobia is rooted in racism it's rooted in that and the whole science the fake science to make it seem like weight loss is a part of um is a part of getting healthy that's actually not true one of the what we have found in multiple studies you just google it is poverty it is access to clean water and clean food these structural things in the system that doesn't allow us to get what we need on a consistent basis stress and the amounts of stress in our life um capitalism how um the marketing and the nutritious rules and expectations and what is what's sold to us to be the best nutritious way to eat that pyramid shit how those things are not necessarily rooted in our health is rooted in making money to these big agricultural um companies who lobby politically to get those things sold to us as a public so (laughs) so it's not just oh i'm lazy or i just can't lose weight oh i just can't um um i i'm just i'm just fat because i don't want to work and blah 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 it is really about the structural things in our society that forces us to be able to have to eat unhealthy get addicted to sugars get addicted to not eating fruits and vegetables you know the typical stuff because what we do know is in order to get somebody healthy whether they fat or skinny the, if you're trying to get them healthy, the, the message should be the exact same. You should, you know, uh, diet and exercise. Good diet, healthy vegetables, drink a lot of water. It all should be the same, whether you obese or you skinny. <laughs> so what do y'all think about that? That made me think about capitalism. Mm, come on. So capitalism is so heavily rooted in fat phobia. Absolutely. Because it is a $72 mm-hmm. billion dollar industry for weight loss. Yes. That's huge. Absolutely. And when you were talking about the scales and how they were marketed, that's what I thought about. I thought about how they market the flat tummy tees and yep. all of the waist trainers that we see on all of the social media no sites. fucking waist trainers do not work. Right. They don't. <laughs> they do not work. Trust me, I've tried them all. <laughs> Until I was like, fuck that. I like fatness. I like to eat. Uh-huh. Um, my baby ain't complaining, so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. So I think um, it's so heavily rooted in capitalism. And I don't think people understand even how McDonald's is a lobbyist 
to pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. McDonald's is in the pockets of pharmaceutical companies, and they are sponsored with keeping folks obese and increasing the obesity um, epidemic, but also making sure that we don't have access to that food. Absolutely. Because there is no way that a McDouble is a dollar and a salad is five. Come on. <laughs> Come on it makes now. Makes no sense. None. Makes no sense. Makes none sense. And, and then have access to healthcare so we can get the medicines either. Right, right, <laughs> right. It's killing us um, mm. on at every turn right like at every single turn um the dollar stores in our communities instead of like full-fledged grocery stores there are parts uh like the the um food deserts across the country absolutely um especially in urban areas uh it's it's disgusting right that that we don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables um when we do like when they sell fruit at the gas station it's marked up at some ridiculous price there's no way a banana and like on a similar you know token a banana and a bag of chips should not cost the same thing a banana and a bag two bags of takis should not be the same right like that doesn't even make sense it's a banana it doesn't even need extra packaging it comes with its own damn packaging and right. it shouldn't, so it shouldn't cost the same as some fucking takis exactly um, and i also think too like there is valid to um and i don't want to shame people in either direction it's valid to want to you know uh not want to have like I, me for example the one of the main reasons that i want to lose weight is because i want to give birth mm-hmm. and it's harder on your body when you weigh more because mm-hmm. adding a person to you is hard work so that makes sense to me um you know diabetes runs in my family and uh my doctor's like you're not diabetic but we got some signs going on so let's make some changes so that you don't end up being diabetic so i think that there's again too though i want to just like you divorce beauty from health also understand that you can be what on the outside looks like a fat person and be healthy absolutely as a matter of fact when i was preparing for a surgery recently the nurse was looking through all my stuff and she was like flipping through the pages furiously and it was freaking me out i was like oh my god what's going on and she was like um what medicines are you on for high blood pressure i was like oh i don't have high blood pressure she was like okay well what medicines are you on for diabetes i was like oh i'm not diabetic she's like okay but but what medicines are you on for high cholesterol ma'am i i don't have high cholesterol like why do you want me to have all of these things she's like i'm just really surprised that someone i mean that you don't have these issues and i'm like yeah no i don't I don't have those things. I could in the future. And there's nothing wrong with like people who have all those um, different diagnoses. It's like not like, oh, there's something wrong there with them as a person. But her assumption was that you have a fat body. So these are all the things that come along with having a fat body. And that's not always the case. Right. I can't think. Were you coming in just for a checkup? Uh, no, I was getting prepared for a procedure, but mm-hmm. it was still like odd to me that she like she didn't take what I said at face value because right. like she also asked me, "Have you had any other surgeries or procedures before?" And I said, "No." And then she went on to say, "So you've never had children?" And I'm wow. like, "I think I would remember if I had kids, I <laughs> birth, or someone like." T- even though I pushed one out or they sliced it out and be like, that's not something I think you forget. And the fact that she said it like was such like incredulity. She was just like, mm, girl, like it was almost in a way, the way I felt it and I could be projecting, but the way that she said it was like, um, 
Like there must be a reason why you're fat. What what's wrong with you? Like you had to either give birth or you you must have diabetes. Like why are you this way? And and it's frustrating because I think fat bodies are beautiful. Like I honestly do. I, I and I'm not saying that just because I'm fat um and that the people who have loved me and raised me, some of them have been fat. Um but I just love the way a fat body looks. Like fat thighs are just so much prettier to me than like muscular thighs. Like that's just how I Why you smile, Erica? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Erica looking like, yeah, boy. She told me I had to be two something to do something. Ow. Ow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we got somebody extra in the in the studio. Erica is my girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, my name is girlfriend. And we gotta talk about round thighs. Ow. <laughs> They're the best. I mean right. I, But you're not projecting though, because I've had that same experience. Mm-hmm. So you're not projecting at all. Like I've literally experienced the same exact thing from a doctor. Mm-hmm. And they really caught my HIV diagnosis late because they were like, oh, well, you have asthma or this and that is going on. Mm-hmm. Instead of checking me for STIs and STDs because you assume because I have a fat body. That you're asexual. That no one's having, sex, having with sex with you. Yeah. But that's not the truth. Right. And so um, I think a lot of the times... Well, I don't think I know fat phobia is killing fat folks. Yes. Yes. It kills us. And when we go to the doctor, we complain about a headache. But you're looking at my weight and thinking it's hypertension when it could really be a brain aneurysm. Yeah. Right. Because you're thinking about my fat body and how could my fat body yep. not have hypertension? Yep. Right. Fat phobia is also killing non-fat folks because it's leading to things like anorexia and bulimia. Absolutely. Um, because, you know. And, on to, and add to racism. So you got to yes. add when as a black woman coming into a doctor's office just because you black they got so many stigmas about your particular life your particular lifestyle your particular whatever it can be and we have there's been tons of studies of and and uh, situations where black women had come in and said this is what i think is wrong with my body Mm -hmm. and because i'm black you're not listening to me You're not listening to me and and you're not fixing the things that I need to be done or you looking at something else that you don't need to be looking at and you're fucking racist. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And the same goes with strangers. Right. So you I'm telling you, like, I've had this issue on the Internet with people and they're like, well, um, like this, this, this person posted on Facebook that Oklahoma, which is the state that I most recently lived in, you know, is like ranks whatever for obesity and the person put something like oh so fucking lazy or something and i was and i posted like imagine thinking that people are fat because of laziness like imagine waking up in the morning and you thought you had a really smart thing and clever to thing say. to say and you're just and you ended up being just fucking wrong as many bony <laughs> ass motherfucking lazy people that don't do shit like, and they're bony <laughs> How did you arrive at that? And then to top it off, he's a police officer. So anyway, the point is, I can only imagine. The the thing is like, it's like, no, I'm telling you, like, I'm not a lazy person. And this is still the body that I live in. Right. Well, mm, looks like you're lazy to me. And it's just like, you can have conversations with people and try to express to them. Like, no, I'm not lazy. I'm not stupid because I'm black. I'm not this. I'm not that. And, you know, I've recently just decided I'm not going to try to explain my value and my worth to anybody Mm. else. Because if you don't want to get it, you know how many other doctors will take this money? Okay. (laughs) Come on. 
this, <laughs> Come my on. money is green, baby. Uh huh. And so if you if you if you don't want to have a reasonable discussion with me about the actual facts and figures about people being obese, being fat, being fluffy, if you don't want to be real about it, then I don't. Then I'm not going to try to. What's the word? Um, like that book says, my body's not an apology, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to try to defend me to you. Who, mm-hmm. who the fuck are you? Yeah. And why do you deserve my time? Why do you deserve me explaining something to you when these thighs are glorious? Yeah. I just don't understand. Like, absolutely. This Lizzo thing really has got people panties in a bunch. No pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, and I I see a lot of people saying things like, I just didn't like the outfit. Or this just this was a basketball game. It just was inappropriate. Or what about the kids that were there? Or she was just sitting her b- butt on on the basketball um, seat thingy. What about germs? First of all, you don't have enough money to sit at floor seats. <laughs> that's what. That's what. <laughs> but my thing is, all these things that y'all claiming is not fat phobia. Can you not like somebody's outfit? Absolutely. You cannot like somebody's outfit. That's true. That's legit. But why this is a big deal is because it's Lizzo and she has a fat body. A fat black body. A fat black body. And I just broke down the history of racism in this country. A fat black femme body because y'all don't say nothing about Rick Ross fat ass with when he hitting them big ass titties out. Uh-huh, I don't have no girl. problem about his fat ass titties. No. None. But y'all How got many problem? rappers have we seen with their titties out? Okay. How many celebrities have we seen in bad outfits or inappropriate outfits? Right. At inappropriate situations. Right. Nicki Minaj was at a basketball game. It wasn't the Lakers, but it was an NBA game a couple years ago with bra and panties and a see-through Nesh fit yeah. dress. And nobody said anything. You know nobody. why? Because she's not a fat black body. Right. Absolutely. That's what it is. And if you're trying to pretend like this is, oh, this is just, this is not because she's fat. You're lying. You, you're lying in the same way that these white motherfuckers can be racist Ooh. and still vote Democrat and still tell you, I don't see color because I'm colorblind. These white liberals, we're not talking about the Ku Klux Klan motherfuckers that we know are racist. We talk about these white motherfuckers that's on our side, that say they are allies, that say they understand, that, that say they are not racist when their actions show that they're racist. And they say things out of their mouth that we call microaggressions, but they're really bigger than micro, but microaggressions. They say these little stupid things, and when you call them out, they say, no, this is what I meant. It's just my view. It's just my opinion. It's just, oh, my God, you guys are so, um, and you're calling everybody transphobic, everybody fatphobic, everybody racist, just because we have different views. No, it's because you are. You don't have to be all the way on the Ku Klux Klan side to be a racist. You can be a racist on our side, too. You're just not that far gone. 
you a little bit racist. <laughs> and if you and, don't have a fat body, you can't tell me what's not fat phobic. And how can you tell fat people <laughs> what is fat phobia? You can't. You can't. You can't tell a trans person what's not transphobic. You can't. And I think it's also important to note that like even the fat people who are saying that it's not fat phobia can mm-hmm. be wrong. Shit. Yes. You can be wrong. Like and just like there are folks who are in the trans community who are wrong about shit. Uh-huh. Caitlyn Jenner is wrong as fuck Ka- half Flame the time. Monroe, wrong as fuck. Wrong trans as fuck. transphobic as fuck. You can be wrong. Right. Like so there are people and people I love near and dear who have said some really fucked up things and they are fat. It's massage noir though. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And I think people, again, you talked about it earlier the internal fat phobia, um, internalized massage noir, um, internalized racism. And I think, too, what's throwing some people off is because they haven't spent significant time reading and understanding and learning about their own body right. and the bodies of other marginalized people they think when you say something like your comments about Lizzo's um, attire at the game are fat phobic they think it's absurd and they think you're making some shit up because they haven't thought about it just because you have the range of Alicia Keys in the soprano section <laughs> doesn't mean that I don't know what I'm talking about right. that's not my fault that you haven't taken the time and effort to do the emotional labor mm-hmm. and the mental labor to be where I'm at. That's not my fault. And and quiet as it's kept, you out here maneuvering like a white person. Exactly. You have this privilege so you don't have to fucking see the experiences of a fat black body, a flat black femme, a fat black femme body. Mm-hmm. You don't have the experiences to see the nuances that that, that, that comes with that. And so you sitting back talking about, oh, no, it's not that. It's because you're blind and don't have the education. You don't have the experience to tell me that this is the truth. And so really, you're gaslighting. Whoop. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing, That's right? That's, That's what you're doing. It is gaslighting. Simple as that. And so you can't tell people what I, I see it. I'm not going to sit and argue with you, motherfuckers. Y'all on my post right now as we speak. Saying the dumbest shit because I posted something um, about Lizzo. Y'all motherfuckers don't like black women, particularly fat black women. Period. And this is this is the thing. You don't want to say it. You don't want to acknowledge your fat phobia. You don't want to acknowledge your internal fat. But for you fat girls that's on my that's on my timeline right now saying dumb shit. I just didn't like the outfit. It's more than that, okay. especially when it's a cultural phenomenon. Right. We're not talking about your individual taste in fashion. Thank you. We talking about the big, bigger picture. Why this blew up? Yep. Folks think so small though. They yes. Don't look at- the historical context behind yeah, stuff that's and that's the reason why i was gravitated to you during the conversation during that panel discussion it's because you gave a historical context to the reasons why things happen mm-hmm. and the reasons why folks in uh trans bodies experience violence and yeah. i think folks don't look at lizzo and think about why it's fat phobic to even look at her body and say that's disgusting or that shouldn't be there or that outfit is gross or right. she should be sitting on the bleachers were you sitting there Right, this is her body. When did you get so invested in the germs on somebody right. else's motherfucking body? Why do you care? That's crazy. <laughs> you your kids should look at other. Like your kids need to know what a body looks like, a real one. And you, the when we talk about kids, 
we only are bringing it up because it's a fat black body. Mm-hmm. There's tons of people who have come to games, half naked, half dressed, come out on the. Are you going to beaches and saying why you dress like that in front for the cheer the cheerleaders? And it, it's just it's just ridiculous for you. Oh, I can't come to the ball game like that. No, but cele- celebrities can. You can't talk about your experience. Celebrities can come to stuff like this with dress in crazy ways because this is how celebrity is. Yeah, and the thing where people are like, well, if she was doing a performance it would be different how because it's still your if you're using the excuse of the family family event it's still a performance still at a that per- event we had a whole black woman black bald for yeah. this this that type of performance <laughs> janet and it's also like what I don't understand what kind of children haven't seen like the same people the <laughs> that same, ain't seen no booty cheeks right the same people <laughs> that I see talking about well it's what about the children y'all the same one who when your kids are two and three years old talking about they got boyfriends and girlfriends y'all are the same ones talking about children. you sexualize kids you got pink stickers on your baby girl's booty yeah <laughs> you, you before you, they come out the womb you're our gender exists yes. because you throw a gender review yeah. and so you so I just don't understand how the same people who are talking about you know y'all better watch out my son gonna be a heartbreaker you know I can't I, I it's like it doesn't compute like my brain is like I does not compute like I just don't get it it's like 404 not found like I don't error. get it error error like, like it just doesn't make any sense that you can say on one hand that this kind of behavior is acceptable you know y'all are y'all were 10 12 years old watching the tip drill video and you and now all of a sudden like her body isn't it's just like do your kids go to the beach that's what i have y'all ever do y'all have passports because i know when i go to belize when i go to aruba when i was in toronto which has a nude beach shout out to toronto love that trip um (laughs) when you go to other places like people don't wear they don't always wear the same thing that you wear it can go anywhere from like a burka to like a string bikini or Mm -hmm. A nude beach. Right. You know, so I just don't. And just like you have to explain to your kids why this woman is choosing a certain lifestyle of fashion and modesty when she right. has a burqa on, when she has, just like you have to explain it to her, even though that's against my fem- womanist, feminist ideals of how a woman should be and freedom that she, but she, that is her choice. And when I have children and when the children's come around, I can explain to them. I can explain to them, um, you know, this is what's going on. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, like once again, you just don't have the range and you want to take it out on everybody else. Mm-hmm. Just because you haven't considered how to teach your children and you haven't considered... And the, another thing, these same people are the ones who have them nasty-ass uncles and aunties around their kids mm-hmm. who don't know how to keep their hands to this, their selves. You're, these are the same parents who make their daughters hug people. Like, I just I just think, like, the whole idea of, like, her body being offensive to a child when you do offensive things to your children, mm-hmm. it just is such a disconnect, like a cosmic disconnect for me um, when, when these kids are being molested um and and you're or or you're like doing super weird shit like gatekeeping their hymen like ti and then you like it's just like the the way people's brains work i just well they don't work and that's the problem (laughs) but i just can't And, and and the other thing for me was that it told me that you 
you consider yourself to be my friend, but the way you talked about Lizzo's body, you would say the same fucking thing about me because I'm bigger than Lizzo. She might be what? Was she like a size? 18 20 um your girl is solidly a 28 maybe some depending on the designer a 30 so for me when you talk about how how ridiculous she looks and how she needs at her concerts even it started before the thong at her concerts wearing the same unitard as beyonce that same style and saying that she looks ridiculous and saying how bad she looks because she's fat so to me that means when i post pictures of myself on the beach that's the same thing you're saying about me mm-hmm. And you don't love, you don't like me. Well, okay, fine. Then we tell me, connected. Tell me what do y'all think about this idea that's coming out of this that she is perpetuating the mammy stereotype? I don't even think of that. I don't even think of Lizzo recreating a mammy stereotype. Because a mammy, the stereotype is she's asexual. Right. She's yeah, motherly. Yeah. Mammies don't exactly. have sex. Right. She has house dresses. House dresses. She's not sexy. Children and. Yeah, I don't even envision Lizzo. Like no. they saying that she like she's cooning and being a mammy and 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 um, it, it almost is like some strange um, like metamorphosis of the mammy and the over sexual um sexualized object object like they putting it together because once one person to say she's being a mammy she's being a coon and the next says she's she's doing these stereotypes and i wanted to see what y'all thought about it. i was like this is what it's about you've never seen a lizzo they've never seen a fat black body be unapologetically black and fat mm-hmm. and a woman while also being sexual and exactly. sexy they've never seen that never so seen if you it. look on her facebook or her instagram and you look under her pictures and comments you see all the men that freaks women out because uh-huh. they're like, hold on. I didn't know y'all like that. You, She getting the same react, not the same, but she's getting positive reaction that we see with a Megan Stallion who always is with her iron knees, always booty clapping, right. cheeks out. Right. Get, and I live for it. So that's my Me thing. Too. I live for Me Megan. Too. But the response to her, all, she always got her booty cheeks out. Always. It don't matter where it's at. Nobody is responding to Megan in the same way they're responding to Lizzo. It is a difference. We have not seen a fat black woman do this. That's why the situation with... um. Monique doing that Beyonce routine at the BET yep. Awards, remember? Yeah. That's why that was so major because we hadn't seen a fat black girl get up there and wear the fuck out, do all the dance moves, moving the, do, way, she moving the way she moved. That's why that was so shocking. We hadn't seen that. That's why that was so, that was a moment, a cultural moment. Yeah. So we haven't seen it. And yeah. I'm excited for these girls that are growing up. Like Absolutely. I'm excited for Absolutely. the fat black girls coming behind me that they have a Lizzo. Facts. I wish I would have had a Lizzo. Yeah, because the when I'm thinking about it, and I had this conversation on the podcast episode that I was recording the other day, and um, my friend, the person I was interviewing, was like, "No, there wasn't really, um, you know, anybody out there like that." And I was like, "Oh, please don't um, desexualize Missy Elliott like that now, because she wasn't out there clapping cheeks, but them lyrics, bitch. Yeah, them lyrics were sexual. Then she was because people were like, "Oh, there wasn't a, a black." But she was artist. real study though. She was, but still, she was always talking about ain't nothing out there for me. Like yeah. that's my jam. She was talking, and then she wrote or she worked with Tweet on that. Yeah. Oops, oh my, talking about masturbation in front of the mirror. Like yeah. Missy, I think that it's important too, like that we still hold Missy up because she was doing shit where there weren't other fat women out there. Like Missy is really the precursor, um, and even and I guess study uh, the brat was also. Uh, 
little more not as feminine but she's still fine and <laughs> she uh she is fine she can get it she's so cute i want to <laughs> squeeze her face and, <laughs> i mean there have been these precursors you know and so i you know i'm always trying to like ancestors is even dramatic, um but, like um, a queen latifah was never yeah. a small woman no, no she never she was wasn't. um so she yeah. never was but she wasn't really few. sexual though. she wasn't sexual so each of them have had a different piece they haven't been as sexual that led as to a lizzo, lizzo. Yes. yeah but they were not yeah so like missy's elliot missy elliot's lyrics were mad sexy like they uh-huh. were sexual lyrics but she didn't present that way right whereas like um there are plenty of other women who were obviously Foxy Brown and Trina, the baddest bitch, and, you know, Lil' Kim and all of them were sexy, but they weren't fat. Right. And so you have Lizzo, who's like this perfect combination of all of them. Um, and the other thing to me that I think is dope about the whole thing is, like, her age. Because Megan is a young girl. Uh-huh. You know, and a lot of these artists we were describing, when they were out, when they were coming out, when they were hot... They were younger, twenties, nineteen, yeah, twenty. Yeah. 20. Lizzo and I are the same age, mm. and so I mean, th- to me, thirty-one is not old by any stretch of the yeah. imagination. But in industry-wise, you know, industry-wise, yeah. for her to be thirty-one, fat, not light-skinned, right? Um, you know, a woman talking about having sex and how her man played for the Vikings and mm-hmm. you know all this and these basketball players and football players are crushing on her right and, you know and she's I don't know like I I didn't come to the Lizzo train early at first I felt I'll be honest I felt weird about it because I felt like she was so much me and I say that to say like I had been so ignored by people based on the way I looked for so long Mm -hmm. that it was shocking to me to have someone who was me on the stage and all of a sudden people were clapping and and applauding it um she plays the flute I play trombone which our music is in the same uh it's on the same type of music (laughs) um so if you ever you know Sasha flute if you want to get down with bony bone let's get it um So I I just, I guess it was just hard for me to see that. And if a lot of it felt fake because you would see, especially white women um, talking about, oh my God, I just love Lizzo. Oh, I just saw her performance and it just, it just cleared up my acne and it raised my credit score 70,000 points. (laughs) And I'd be like, it just, it felt to me disingenuous on the part of other people, like lifting her up in the way they were. And it felt like how it felt to me when I was a kid where like I would be dancing or something and all the other kids would like cheer me on but really they were making fun they of me. They were laughing at you and yeah. not and so I, I felt this like like this almost like wanted to protect her oh, when I saw like her. you felt like she was a caricature. Yes exactly and I felt myself and I could place my face on her and it felt like oh my gosh they're gonna pull the rug out from underneath her yeah. and they're gonna be laughing at her and not with her and that bothered me and so when all of this with the booty cheeks you know when booty gate happened uh-huh. uh lizzo gate <laughs> happened um it felt like the thing that i was so fearful of for so long right tell me think what are some of the people so for me when i was younger and i saw this um 
these in in my in my, in my community in the trans community there were some people who were really stand out when it comes to establishing a certain level of body positivity to me and i want to name some of these people just to give them honor um and i want you to tell me some of the people that were like your sheroes in regards to this movement and f- throughout the years um one of the people the, the all three of these people um come from um the porn industry and it's something about porn that that's when you start seeing stuff happen in porn it's going to come out in the mainstream eventually and so back in the 90s and the early 2000s the girls who were um, making money that were black and femme who were trans were big girls that comes from T.S. Madison, she was one of the girls. She was never skinny. She was always thick. She was always ghetto fabulous. Her porn showcased her body and how she was. We had this girl named um, Juicy Nikki. Like she was, whenever you saw the trans porn come up, it was, you will see a Juicy Nikki big ass like Al, just <laughs> feeling it and feeling sexy and getting niggas, fine ass niggas. And, um, then we had T.S. Eve, which is like the mother of T.S. Madison. Um, then a girl named Vicky, Victoria. It was so many girls who were big and black that were like celebrating it and really just putting images out there that were so different. And so when you look at ads, like if you look at um, escort ads, you would see, oh, my God, this is a big. There was no other big black women. And she would be there fancy, sickening ass bra. Just like this. Just this image of her was amazing. And for me. I was always like, yes, bitch, where's out? At the time, I wasn't big at all, but it gave me something that once I did gain weight and gain the weight that I have now, it, it, it made me be a little bit le- less self-conscious of getting bigger because I saw people who had done it well mm-hmm. that were trans. Of course, I had seen women in my life, cisgender women in my life, get bigger and do it with grace, even though they had some stuff working out and they had to work out some stuff too, but they still did it with grace and they still did it with, um, you know, confidence that I could look on and say, oh yes, I, I had tons of big girls in, in, in high school, in college that were beautiful and getting niggas. I even in, in high school, I had a, um, guy, he was really, really popular. All the skinny girls wanted him. He was skinny. But secretly, mm-hmm. he liked big girls, liked them. Like, it wasn't no fetish. He was like, I, my wife is going to be a big girl. And I'm not talking about thick. I'm talking about, he would, his language, like roles. I want them to have roles and da 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 and, and in his journey, because he did do this public thing where mm. he never talked about his girlfriend. And I knew who she was. Because, <laughs> so I had messed with him, <laughs> and I told my homeboy, because my homeboy didn't go to our school, and this is my gay best friend, and he didn't go to our school, so you know, this is your best friend, you're going to tell all the tea. And so I'm thinking I'm telling him all the tea, and I'm like, yes, bitch, I, I had this dude, and he was like, you, you know, da 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 everybody know him, he fine, da 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 So I'm thinking it's never going to get back to school because, you know, he doesn't go to our school, and he doesn't know anybody that knows him. So my friend went and told his friend, 
who was Brandy. Brandy is a big rose, like just a big, beautiful brown girl. And me, literally, like you said, literally not even thinking about her being any kind of competition based on who is attracted to him. I'm like, I would never think to put them together. Just about my ignorance. But Brandy was Brandy, Brandy was, his was girl. Brandy was his girlfriend. And not just I'm objectifying her. I love Brandy. <laughs> this is my boo. <laughs> and I yes, I'm ashamed to be with her, but I love her so much, so I'm not gonna not be with her. But I'm just not gonna tell people I'm with her. This sounds like the story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so by my friend tells Brandy about me and oh, the guy. And so Brandy goes back and be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and he comes and confronts me about it. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, how, how did any of this come out? Because I only told one person. <laughs> and I'm like, how the fuck did you know? And so... Me and the guy have uh, are real, actually really, really close now. We've been friends ever since high school. We talk on the phone all the time. Um, but and he's he's trash. <laughs> he's trash. Like I mean, <laughs> total trash. Um, but he has consistently dated big girls because he um, he got over the being the shame part of it, and now he openly dates big girls, and he always has. He actually lost his first wife because she got the weight loss surgery and got small and he wasn't attracted to her no more and left her. Wow. You know what? I was thinking about the time of life. <laughs> yeah. All of them have girlfriends. All of them friends. have bays. And as soon as they get the surgery, Bay is gone. Bay is gone. 600 pound life. And none of those people are ever single. Ever. Not a one. Ever. And we know that it's fat phobic trash, but. No, it is. It's definitely <laughs> fat phobic. The show is trash. Yeah. But those people are. They always got shows. a bay. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and my, that's the other thing. Again, I think it's important to divorce health from beauty because uh-huh. it seems to people, people are always so surprised that these men and women are, are in loving caring healthy relationships um because we we all of us collectively have been told that that's not supposed to happen you are not supposed to be fat and somebody love you um Uh. i oh have y'all heard about that new show that was coming out it was called y'all why was the show called hot and heavy it was supposed to it was it's supposed to air on tlc in january and I um, heard about it, and it's trash as fuck. Yes, I'm only women. That title. <laughs> yeah. Hot and heavy. <laughs> Hot and heavy. So of course, these they said that these people are not in the same. Oh, but what do they call it? Not. Oh my god, inter. Not interracial, but like oh, intersizal relationships. Some stupid shit. Yes. Some stupid made up shit. And so all the women are fat. And their men are thin or in really good shape. And it's like, oh, my gosh, can you believe that these sexy ass men are attracted to these fat ass slob bitches? And there's no examples of uh, non hetero couples. There's no examples of um, the man being the one who's fat. It's just a bunch of fat women. Well, a bunch is three people, Mm -hmm. Uh, three fat women and these men. And it's just, again, perpetuating this idea that it's absurd that anybody would want to be with someone who looks like me and that's so it's so hurtful 
you know, mm-hmm. it's so hurtful. And, you know, like even and but I I play into it to a certain extent, too, because like I'm dating websites on Tinder, whatever. I, the first line on all of mine is always I'm fatter in real life. I don't want y'all motherfuckers coming up to me being like, she catfished me. No, I'm I'm fat. So mm-hmm. don't get it twisted. Don't be surprised. Mm-hmm. This is this is nearly 400 pounds of loving and you can you can get right or get left but i I think that i play into that too like man i I want people to know that i I don't want them to think that i'm trying to trick them because i have on makeup or i'm you know Mm. my angles or whatever i don't want them to think that i'm trying to be thinner than i actually am no i'm fatter in real life just so you know just to prepare you i may not actually be fatter in real life but just so that you know this is a fat body and you have to be able to love fat women Mm. in order to get with me Mm. I also hate like when dating folks who are like fetishizing fat folks. Yep. Oh my god, it's the worst. It is the worst. It's gross. Mm. Yeah, it's disgusting. It is the worst thing ever. Like I had, a, I was dating this guy. He got, used to like to play with my fat arms, like well, play with the fat on my arms, and I, I just, I, I had to leave that relationship. It wasn't. Like, so was let so me weird. ask this because that is something that also I make the connection with transness, objectification, yeah. and fetishizing and novelty. So how do you tell? Because the the thing that's happening in the trans community is if a guy is into trans women, like I only want to date trans women mm-hmm. because I'm interested, is that a problem? And how do you tell when it's just when it's a healthy attraction mm-hmm. or a fetish? How do you know the difference? For me, it's when someone is overly obsessed with my weight. Like how much do you weigh? Or trying to force feed me because a lot of times in relationships folks want you to get bigger and so they have this thing whereas they'll feed you and constantly feed you to make you bigger mm. i know that sounds so crazy but it's like no it doesn't sound crazy at all fetish. yeah it's, it's a, a thing fetish. or i had a guy who was like oh i want you to like eat naked you know just when someone like fetishizes me in those ways i'm like okay you're a weirdo mm-hmm. you know move around mm-hmm. and not in the sense of I don't want to be loved or cared for. I just don't want that type of fetishism on my body. Mm. For me, the way I I tend to try to differentiate is like, do you see me as a whole person first before any of the sexual attraction, any of that kind of thing? Because if you don't see me, if you're not as interested in my body as you are in like my thoughts about world peace and you know the latest womanist literature that i'm reading or like my hobbies or you know if if you're not if you can't do that with me then you're probably only interested in my roles or whatever because i've had guys say to me you know um not so much the fetish side where it's something they that's the only thing they do but i'm the first one and they're trying Mm. to like you know, pop their fat cherry, you know. So they're right. like, ooh, I, I remember one time, oh God, this is so embarrassing. So I was at my soror's house and we were, she was with one dude and I was with another, but I wasn't really feeling dude. Cause, okay, so she was dating the one guy that she was with and he was like, my, my boy is with me, what are we gonna do? And she was like, oh, my friend's here too, it'll be great. So he's like, oh, over me and like feeling on me. I was like, you don't even like fat girls. I just said that just to see what his response would be. He was like, I don't, but I can, I can learn. And he was like, there's so much. And he was like squeezing me and I felt so uncomfortable. And I've had similar situations over and over and over again. So my only way to be able to tell the difference now is like, 
I'm not going to hop in bed with you quickly. I'm not mm. going to even allow that kind of thing to to happen because I want to know that you want something more than just like than the I mean these beautiful Hershey Kiss thighs are great. <laughs> I mean they are beautiful, but like if that's all you want, there's plenty of other thighs out there, but there's only one divine. That for me, it's it it's it's really difficult for me to tell because the difference is a sexual thing you know for us it's a sexual thing and so if i'm just trying to fuck i'm not i don't care if he thinks that i if he knows my woman is uh, educational mind if i'm just or if or or not if i'm like we date and we talk about world peace and da 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 in our when we're outside at the dinner table but when we're in the moment of sex do i want you to worship my body I kind of do. I kind of want you to be into it. I kind of want you to be um, admiring it, loving it, every inch of it, every part of it. Every I want you to be that person to do that. So I can't tell if you now. If, now, if we're just hooking up and it's just on that, oh, you're my first, and I know that. But I'm talking about in a relationship where we're growing to something else i can't tell the difference between a dude who just really likes me and a dude who is fetishizing me yes there's men who their sexual being their sexual prowess is in wooing you so they can they can spend time with you and have educational conversation and have these amazing moments outside of sex and they still be just trying to fetishize you that's just a part of their um their mo yeah. and when it comes to wooing a woman they need that and yeah. so i can't always tell the difference between those guys because those are the guys that get me it's not the dude who says damn i love trannies it's I, <laughs> that's so obvious and you guys i know it's obvious it's the guys who do have the conversation that do have the intellect because that's you don't even get to the door without having that do you see what i'm saying so it's hard because i can't i don't always can tell the nuance between that person and a person that is intelligent that's fetishizing me too i can't really tell the difference because by the time i can tell the difference i've already invested something in them a lot of time and a lot of emotion and i'm like oh and then it's a surprise Mm -hmm. have y'all been in that situation yeah okay (laughs) i had one guy tell me because i was tweeting about it i was tweeting basically this part of the conversation that we're having Mm -hmm. and so we were kind of talking and so he sent me a message and he was like how am i supposed to know if he asked me am i fetishizing you or am i just attracted to you Mm mm-hmm and I'm like, well, how the fuck am I supposed to be able to answer that question? It's your brain. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, my fetish is, is fat women. So what, what am I supposed to do? And what I'm just, attracted to is yeah, fat women. Yeah. So he didn't. He was not differentiating between the two. B- between the two. Mm. Um, and I mean, it's hard. It's hard because there's that part, like something you a call back to what you said earlier. Who's ever going to love me? Who's ever going to really want to be with me? So I should just take, you know, a man who says, well, what's the difference? Like, why can't I fetishize you? Like, why can't I just like want to play with your fat arms or feed you all the time? Like, why is that a problem? I, but I still love you. I still think you're brilliant. And so there's this, this thought in the back of my mind 
like oh my gosh what if this is it like what if there's nobody else who's gonna love me for who I am utterly and completely because my thing has always been I don't want you to love me in spite of my fat you know I don't want to be like oh yeah I'm I'm attracted to her she's a beautiful spirit I mean she's fat but she's (laughs) (laughs) I want somebody to be like she's She's fat but she got a cute face yeah exactly (laughs) exactly and so I'm like I don't want to be I don't want to be like that right I want him to be like Oh my gosh, when I look at her, like when she walks in the room, like she's the only girl in the world. Like that's what I want. But a lot of times when it is that, it's because, oh, she's the only girl in the room because I want to feed her some fucking hot wings. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and a bitch love hot wings. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. so what do I do? <laughs> All right. That is, that is literally, <sighs> that is literally my so dilemma true. in that conversation of desirability. Because that is it. Because I do like oral sex. So if you fetish in my body parts, yeah, how do I know the difference? Because I this is a part of my sex life that I do love. And then, do y'all have an issue with um, all the shit that niggas want you to do sexually that mm. maybe doesn't work with your body? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Because I have that issue. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? I'm like, that may not be great for you. This leg cannot bend this way. (laughs) This roll is in the way. uh, And navigating that. Well, sometimes it's not. It's Look, one of the things I've learned is, or what I'm learning is, it's not me, it's you. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) I used to make this incorrect assumption that if you were into big girls then you needed a big dick that you're i just assumed that you were well endowed because you wouldn't be stepping to somebody who weighs 375 uh-huh. if you didn't have you know the equipment, the, the to, equipment to get to, to where it needs to be right. like, this, is, <laughs> this is a big ship you know you need to yeah. have a big steering wheel if you want to turn this All ship right. and so i was really unpleasantly surprised when um, <laughs> I <laughs> met a gentleman who will not be named, who actually had a clinically diagnosed microphallus. Uh-huh. Oh wow! And um, uh, it's kind of like, well, what do you do? You know, because like you said, I no, mean, thank it. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, baby. No, thank you. I apologize. I didn't know. You should have sent me a picture of that. That's the kind of picture that unsolicited dick bitch you sent me, motherfucker. <laughs> so we can avoid this in the beginning. <laughs> As a queer woman, I want to know, can you eat pussy? Because if you can't... Ah, right. That's what I want to know. And once again, the answer is no. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Tell me what kind of... Um, how is it navigating as a queer woman? Because in my life, bigness in 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 the lesbian community when I was growing up that seemed like uh, you almost could think that they fetishized it because they were always with big girls and it was no problem so how is it navigating differently with women so i think this is where my status comes into play okay because in lesbian community there is not a lot of women that experience folks living with hiv 
Right. So on the flip side, there's a lot of trans folks that experience um, HIV diagnosis and a lot of queer black men or queer folks in general mm -hmm. just experiencing that, but not necessarily the lesbian part. Right. And so when folks come across me, they're like, oh, my God, you're a unicorn. I don't know. What to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> because lesbians also are very um, judgmental about bisexuality. Mm, yes. So not definitely. only am I bisexual, I'm also living with HIV. So it's like, oh, my God. I've never met you before. I've never right. met your kind. And so that has been um, hard to kind of navigate. So I just kind of had a male lean for a while because mm -hmm. I was like, I might as well just date men because they don't really seem to care. You know, guys are like that anyway. They don't. Um, they just look at women as sexual beings. And so mm -hmm. for to have sex, I just gravitated towards men. But once I did find Erica and me and her started dating mm -hmm. and we had this like loving relationship and I you know disclose my status and she was like oh i don't care and i was like oh oh this this may be something for me and then not just because of my status but because also when i would do events she would come or like the first time i had an event that we were dating around the time she came and i was like oh this is this is different someone's supportive and so i think that as a queer woman it's kind of hard to navigate that while being fat like I'm just I'm just like a huge intersection of so many things mm. that folks have never experienced. Yeah. And so that has been like the most difficult part of me and that's the reason why I like talk about my status so openly because a lot of folks are fat black and living with HIV and femme but they don't disclose publicly. Right. And so that's one of the reasons why like I'm just so adamant about talking about my status wherever I am because a lot of folks don't Mm. Well, you know, we already talked about it. You're coming back, and we can go a deep, deep dive into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Erica, look at her face. She's so cute. <laughs> Y'all can't see her face. She's adorable. She's like a little baby. So, what is your what is your thoughts in regards to queerness and um, you know dating bigger women? Um, I've always dated bigger women. Like it's never an issue. Is it like, a fetish? It's not. A fetish. It's not. It's not a fetish. It's a preference. Uh, mm, I've, I've dated. Here we go. You know I've, how they say preference is rooted in the political. It's, it's a preference. I've dated women of all sizes, mm. but it's just it depends. It's not even about outward appearances. It's what you are inside. Like you could be fine too. Like right. if you got an ugly spirit, then. Mm. <laughs> You gotta, right. you gotta go so it's not even it's not a fetish like it's just a perfect i've always so i don't even know mm. i don't see nothing else so that makes sense i just i always it just never it seemed like it was never an issue when i was growing up in the same way that it was with men you get what i'm saying now older when you get older because most black women is thick when you get older <laughs> and so you always see men with you know fuller women but younger it was more oh i don't want no fat girl da, 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 da. but in the queer communities it just was different it was just very different they loved on um black films like it was just nothing it like it was like the conversation just never came up like it just was it just was totally different in in where i grew up i don't know if it's like that where y'all grew up you in sdl yeah definitely in st louis i mean in my high school it was very well i don't know it was very different but my principal was a lesbian and her partner, maybe I don't know. We all thought they were together. I'm pretty sure they were. They had, 
<laughs> they had matching cars. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> they probably were. <laughs> I think they were together. Um, like the athletic dire- director, of course, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and she was a big girl. She was she was a big girl. Um, and there, so there were. And, and that was just like the two people at the head of our school. Like there were also several teachers and students um, who were lesbian couples and they all ranged in size. It was never like, it was never a thing. Mm. Um, and then also with my, I, I don't know, I think to your point about people getting older, um, I think at first because for at least in the cis hetero community, um, but, but people kind of feel like, it's not cool to be with a fat girl when they're young, like like your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so, people, I think there are a lot more guys who are attracted to fat girls when they're in high school, when they're in college, in their twenties, so on and so forth. Um, but they're just too embarrassed at first, and then you just get grown and you realize, like, why should I not, you know, have orgasms because everybody else doesn't isn't attracted to what I'm attracted to? Like, that's just you get to a point where you're like, well, I'm not gonna keep creeping around. This girl loves me. I love her. I'm gonna you know do what i'm gonna do um but if similar to what you were saying like if their attraction to me is any proof (laughs) there were plenty of guys who would say that they were not attracted to fat girls but oh my goodness when they were alone with me they were attracted to fat girls and it wasn't just a like and it wasn't just to like let's have sex. It was like, oh, I just want to be near you, and mm, you're so sweet, and I love what you smell, and this is this, you know, uh, you know. So I, I don't know. I think that there are if people would just like let their what they say, let your freak flag fly, like it, mm-hmm. or or whatever, like whatever your thing is. If it's not illegal and it's done consensually, like just let it be that. Like if you're attracted to fat women, then you are. Yeah. Um, if you're attracted to black women and you're not a black person, like. Th- and let it be what it is. Um, I think so many people are just afraid to say, I I like big old black girls. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that BBW porn is one of the top searched porns out there. Like people like, they like fat women. They want to see fat women in bed. They want to see fat women without their clothes on. So really y'all dry snitching talking about you didn't like seeing Lizzo with that thong on talking about the outfit was tacky because that's what y'all are Googling when ain't nobody watching when you put on your incognito tab. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. And it, it, and y'all know that correlation is exactly with us because, you know, y'all just made this big ass deal about Malik Yoba when I've been knowing niggas who straddled that line for my whole life. And this is I went to I was in high school, 95 to 99. So it and then I know girls who were older than me that was turning niggas out in the 80s and the early 90s. So it was it was it. Niggas has always been like that. They all there. It has always been a disconnect between what is projected in society mm-hmm. and what is being done behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's with everything. And it seems like we're getting to a point where it's starting to be ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. even like the conversation about eating ass and uh, like that's like that's a thing. Like motherfuckers ain't been eating ass for years. Right. Um, Eat a booty game. <laughs> yeah, we like what? And I think it's getting to the point where we we're realizing even how men are talking about eating pussy. I remember when it was shameful mm-hmm. to admit, to, even though motherfuckers was eating pussy, but to say it out loud. Mm-hmm. 
in the public. Motherfuckers didn't say it out loud. You had DJ Khaled just go on the Breakfast Club not that long ago. Weirdo. And say that he don't be his wife's <laughs> right. pussy. His wife weird. pussy. That's, That's your weird. freaking wife. <laughs> Who's That's not sick. eating their wife's pussy? Weird. Weirdos. I'm not Some patriarch or weirdo. And weird. she only with you for your coins. <laughs> And somebody else is eating. So even like that, but like now, even in younger, because I I used to think that it was because oh they were childish and immature and da 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 because they used to lie about jacking off. <laughs> but then now, as now I'm looking at young people talk about stuff on Twitter and they like. I do it. I eat pussy. I, I do. Like, they're so open about what they mm-hmm. do. There's so much fluidity in regards to gender identity and sex. Mm-hmm. There's so many people that are kind of just like on this fucking train, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, they're dis. First of all, we're disinvesting from, divesting from, um, that church bullshit. So all the rules that we kind of grew up in regards to church, young folks is like, what the fuck? We ain't I even was fucking just, with that. That's so funny. I was just thinking that everything is just operating in extremes, right? Because mm-hmm. there's also still those people who go to Liberty University and mm-hmm. who go to, you know, you know, ORU in Tulsa. And the uh, the idea, this conversation that we're having, there's words we're using right now that they've never heard before, Ooh. right? Blow so, their mind. You know, so, exactly. So I think it's, it's so interesting that things in our country, our world, but just let's just narrow it to the u.s that things are so extreme you have people who like you said they it's it's 18 year old boys like i eat booty i like all women trans no matter who they are that's just who i am like right. that's, women girls are saying you know I, I suck dick blah 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 blah. but um what was I about to say? Oh, but there are also people who the thought, like I know people, I know people who, a married couple, who are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, fire baptized with evidence, speaking in tongues, and run a Christian camp. And the both of them say, we don't do that oral sex thing. The only thing that goes in my mouth is food and medicine, honey. Wow. And they fully believe that. And they've been married, you know, umpteen years, you know, 30, 40 years, and they don't have oral sex imagine going to heaven and never having your pussy ate <laughs> imagine alright well that's it for me I'm imagine. cutting out it's been fun nice to meet you, <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> have a good night imagine the boringness of watching that session I like just... the boringness of seeing that now it's the, for them to like so that's cool but just watching it like this is some boring ass sex what, y'all, what else y'all do nothing nothing else and so oh. for so it's, it's and that's okay and I've had this conversation with friends before like Christian friends people I love love them love them love them love them um, and friends who um, practice Islam Muslim friends and they're like I there's on I'm not doing all these weird positions you're talking about Devon like I don't do any of those kinds of things blah 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 and it's just people like the way people interpret we talked about this during breakfast the way people choose to interpret scripture will have them bound up and I don't mean in a good way okay right. they will be bound uh. up in just feeling like I can't do these things with my body I can't enjoy this or enjoy that. Same, going back to what you said from the beginning there are people who will not date fat women because they've connected it to it's sinful to be and you're gluttonous and it's mm-hmm. bad and yeah. I don't want to be with a fat person because that's 
sin. I had a pastor tell me the reason why I'm not married is because I'm fat. Mm. And then if I would just let that that uh, demonic spirit of eating mm-hmm. go, then the Lord would bless me with a husband. Mm. So it's like, like you said, like there are people who are letting go of the the terrible things that the church has done yeah. to them. But there are other people who are leaning into it. Look at the black church. It's filled with single fat black women. A multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. Okay. With, with now Kanye at the helm. Yeah. Unfortunately. In closing, I want to say that women's bodies have always been the focus um, of control and, and medical intervention when it comes to um, the patriarchal oppression like that is they always have used control and that so that's a that's a part of our history um i do want to close in definitely sharing y'all she roles that were inspirational to you in regards to big bodies but also i want y'all to tell me in the beginning y'all were talking about how you got to a point of um self-acceptance and just where you are now in your confidence and you you talked about therapy and how that got you to a certain level can y'all each delve into how you got to that next level after you talk about your sheroes your big black femme sheroes so i think my big black femme sheroes would have to be of course monique um i'm a millennial and so i grew up seeing her on the parkers and so that was the first time i've ever seen myself fully represented in like a sexy way and also let's just say the parkers were like super fabulous with their fashions and that's definitely something that i was so interested in because i kind of liked clueless going growing up and so transitioning from there and seeing monique i was like oh she's dressing and mm-hmm. folks used to always compare me to kim like they've never seen another fat black young girl so mm-hmm. of course i always got the kim reference because i i, I kind of grew up on the smaller side of the bbw spectrum and so they will always pair me with that. And so I think mine have has always been and probably will always be Monique. She's controversial at best, but she's been so inspirational for me. Even her weight loss journey for her saying that she's not doing it because she's trying to appease somebody or get in a relationship. She was doing it just to be healthy, to live longer for her kids. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying too, Divine, that's something that I want to do. I want to be a mom. And so I do want to go on this um, self-love journey when it comes to food and talking about my health unhealthy relationship with food and how that impacts me and so um, Monique will forever be like at the top of the reign for me and because I love fashion so much it was a woman named Gabby Fresh she's the one who kind of started the whole yeah. movement when it came to like blogging about clothing and she was kind of the first one to kind of go on YouTube about it and she kind of talked about um, it was kind basically like cisgender women doing fashion stuff right. and that was the first time i ever saw that and mm. so i would watch her stuff and be like oh okay well i'm gonna buy that because she could fit that and we were kind of the same size so gabby fresh she's probably on all social media sites and uh monique has been mm-hmm. really really influential with me and as far as my journey i'm completely and utterly in love with myself mm. i had to go on that journey before i dated someone before i got into a relationship before um i even started taking medication or anything just anything um i really really got in love with myself through therapy and my therapist was able to help me go on that self-love journey by telling me different things that i could do to kind of like 
uh, ease my anxiety and my depression around my weight. She never kind of said, oh, you know, you're too fat. No, she never talked about my weight. We would always talk about how do you feel and how are you um, accepting yourself and loving yourself. And from there, I kind of just would journal every day. And I put up like in Being Mary Jane, how she had all of those post-it notes before I even saw it. I was like, oh, my God. Once I saw it, I was like, that's something I done. I put those post-it notes all around my room about how I love myself. And I say my mantras every morning, even to this day, because I still have to remind myself because we're bombarded with fat phobic imagery all the fucking time. All the time. I have to continuously remind myself that I'm beautiful, that I'm loved, that I'm wanted with or without a partner. And that I am inherently beautiful just because I exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, first of all, that was beautiful. So thank you for just being in this space with me. Like, oh, well, thank you, sis. You're welcome, girl. <laughs> um, okay. So for me, Monique, definitely. Um, I have to say, for me, the the person would. It's a. It's kind of a mesh of folks. Um, uh, Oprah Winfrey um, means a lot to me because not only is she did she struggle with her weight. Um, she was beautiful at all sizes. When she told, oh, I am not about to cry. This is ridiculous. <sighs> when she told the story about um, getting the role of um, Miss Sophia in Color Purple, she had auditioned, and then she was at the gym she was on a treadmill and she was trying to lose weight for the role literally at a fat farm yeah wow and steven spielberg mm-hmm. called her and she was like i'm on i'm on the treadmill and he was like get off the treadmill you know you, you need to be big we for need her. you to be <laughs> who you are today to be this role um and i've since replayed that over and over and over again in my head to the point of it being myth um, and being larger than life, no pun intended, mm-hmm. um, because there have been times where I've thought I need to change myself, whether it's my physical body or the way I talk or how loud I am. I have a loud laugh. I talk loudly. I sing loudly. You black. I, t- <laughs> <laughs> I take up space purposefully. I choose clothing that's bright and loud. Yes. Um, and I've often um, thought, ooh, am I, what kind am of space? I am I doing too much? Am I doing too much? And I've, no, I'm not. You just don't do enough. The rest of y'all aren't doing enough. I'm doing the right amount. And um, Oprah's journey has really helped with that. Also, there have been, like, many political figures because a lot of people try to, um, what's the word, uh, remove the femininity from big women especially big women who are in like politics like people like donna brazil um or like gwen eiffel um make sure rest in peace um and so i think you know seeing women like that who are brilliant dark-skinned fat black women um running shit meant a lot to me and um and then finally my mother Uh, my mother was a big is my mother still alive praise god um and she but she's not big anymore she's lost weight um and so my mother used to be bigger and she was always beautiful 
and so graceful. Like she just, she's such a lady. And um, I had that to look up to as a little girl. Um, Even though my mom struggled with her body and like didn't always love her body or like her body. um, I just saw a woman who was fashionable and we considered ourselves like the Parkers. And as a matter of fact, when I was in law school, my mom was in college and we lived together. And so it was was super cute. We were super cute. And I would invite my mom to like the law school parties. Like we were the cutest. Um, That's my boo. I love her so much. Um, She will not be listening to this because I'm not going to allow her to, but uh, that's my nigga. Um, But um, as far as like my journey and who I am today, like full disclosure, I had weight loss surgery two weeks ago, um, and I'm really happy about the decision. Um, I wouldn't say I I can lose weight. That's something that I'm really good at. This is my father's genes. I can lose weight really quickly. I can't keep it off. I can mm. lose like 40 pounds like hella fast, mm. and then I'm like about those wings because I can go to <laughs> Wingstop and smash 50 hot wings in a sitting. You bet mm. you want to go get some wings today. And it's right there down the street and I'm so mm-hmm. mad I'm not able to eat chicken wings right now. Mm. So I said It's like literally not literally, even down the street it's, it's right, right here. There. It's right there. We gotta go get wings. I want some wings so bad right now y'all have no idea. <laughs> so um, but I did it again the reason why I did it is because I want to have babies and mm. I don't ever I don't believe that I will ever be a person that you would Walk, see walking down the street and describe it skinny but um i i've seen the people in my family who've had diabetes had limbs removed um and the and and i was like no we don't we don't want to be there um and one thing that's really weird about me is i'm one of those fat people who like really loves exercise like i love working out i love the idea of hiking we haven't tried that yet but we're (laughs) going to i like the idea of doing a 5k so um now that my knees will be able to handle it i'm that's so that's a part of my journey i don't know what i'm gonna look like because my entire life i've been fat Mm -hmm. i don't know a thin me and I've always been big big like my highest weight is 415 pounds so I don't know and I'm 5'6 so I don't I, I don't know but I will say the best part about all of this and I repeat it over and over and over again because I want it I want people to get it in their soul you must divest divorce health from beauty yes I am fine as fuck I I am gorgeous I'm absolutely gorgeous and I'm fat as fuck Mm -hmm. (laughs) and when I'm thick or whatever other shape I'm still gonna be fine and so I've made it through that journey because of people in my life like my mother because of seeing people like um, Donna Brazil and Oprah Winfrey on television because of music from people like Missy Elliott and Lizzo I've been able to make it to where I am and also those people who um, are in the church like I love the black church and you know seeing them big them big old fat Clark sisters because I sing and I want to be just like Twinkies big ass I love her (laughs) so I'm you know I see these women and they're they're who I you know maybe our theology don't line up right but um you know i look at them and i'm like that's the woman it's that, an image yeah that's yeah. a person i can be like and so i that's what's kept me these 31 years <laughs> <laughs> i definitely want to say that um definitely diverse um health and beauty um also we have to rethink health in a way that doesn't prioritize weight loss. Yes. Um, 
because you can be healthy and big and you can be unhealthy and skinny. So weight loss has nothing to do with anything unless you're just a fat phobic trash box that wants to be an asshole. So if that's what you do, and I actually think honestly, if if I want to keep it real, I think that you are weaponizing your discomfort of the fat black body in the same way that like the barbecue Beckys weaponize their discomfort with black people in certain situations and they call the police. You are weaponizing your discomfort and getting online and trying to make our make fat black femmes feel uncomfortable and you're weaponizing it. If you want, if you want me to keep it gutter, that's a word. That if, if you want right me, there? because you're uncomfortable with my body, and you want to wear me out, you just can't call the police because I'm fat. But if you could, you would. <laughs> if you want to keep it gutter, that's just that's, that's just my good. opinion. So, um, get y'all shit together. <laughs> mind your business deal with your discomfort that's your problem that's your education you need to have i got a couple of book recommendations that i want y'all to um look into um the number one is dorothy roberts it's called killing the black body um and then we have sabrina strings and it's called fearing the black body check out those two books um black women scholars education reading is fundamental um and if you don't like to sit down and open up a book and read it uh, audible (laughs) like go to audible and listen to it um like just like you listen to a podcast so um i think we did a show y'all and i want to thank y'all for coming thank you for having me yes and i definitely eventually want y'all to come back maybe not just talk about fatness i want to talk about other shit too because i know y'all whole beings and um and i just just thank you for giving me the time and i hope that everybody listening um you know enjoyed the show tell them where they can find you um so i'm starting a podcast called maybe that's why i'm single it's going to be launching in january uh where we'll be uh, discussing various topics so you can find me on facebook at maybe that's why i'm single you can go to maybe that's why i'm single.com and check out the website you can also find me on instagram at luna l-u-n-a singleton and singleton is spelled with a one and that same handle on twitter so um hit us up and if you want to be interviewed for maybe that's why i'm single let me know too yes and i'm gonna put all of these links in the bottom what about you so you can find me on all social media sites marnina the queen which is spelled m-a-r-n-i-n-a the queen i do consultations facilitations about lgbtq inclusion talking about uh, hiv awareness and things like that so that's all over all of my social media sites at marnina the queen yeah so i'm gonna put all the links in the bottom so y'all can go support these beautiful black women and that's about it have a great day y'all bye-bye well that's it thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's plate you can listen to us on itunes and soundcloud make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars y'all and go like our facebook page and leave some comments we'll be posting exclusive content every thursday so you definitely don't want to miss out you can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamondstylz at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye.
Bye bye. You gonna say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Every little thing's gonna be alright.